0: Thank <laughs> you. special for you guys. So, a couple weeks ago during our, I guess, our ribbon-cutting grand opening here for the city of Ferndale, um, I got to meet two interesting people, and I thought it would be cool to sit down with them as part of, kind of, I've been intrigued especially with black scholars that end up going to some of the elite universities and their experiences, especially now that I have two friends that have kids that are at Brown University. So, got to talking to them, found out the son, Nicholas, just graduated from Cornell. Hello. And I was like, ooh, how how did you end up? from Metro Detroit to Cornell, what happened, found out he went to Cranbrook for high school, which in my, my experience as an educator, um, we don't have a lot of representation when it comes to some of the elite high schools, Cranbrook, Roper, Country Day. And then I found out his mom is an attorney which intrigued me even further, especially when she got to talk about um, being an attorney and wanted to do things with black entrepreneurs and black businesses. So I have with me Nikki Wright and her son Nicholas. How are you guys doing today?
1: Great, thank doing you wonderful. so much for having us here.
0: So I guess my first question is for mom. As a African-American mom, Just go about the process of, I guess, selecting Cranbrook, um, your thoughts behind it. Did did you have any reservations about um, Cranbrook and what made you pick Cranbrook over some of the other elite schools? Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Well, I picked Cranbrook because I was trying to recognize um, what I thought my son needed as far as education was concerned. And um, at the time we were living in downtown Detroit in great city, love the city. Um, but I was looking at, he was in middle school and I was looking at where he would be going to high school. And um, I wanted to make sure that he was going someplace that um, he would would give him some broad experiences and uh, where he could have a, a broad community, um, black, white, you know, cause the world is broad, it's it's multiracial and someplace where he could get a tremendously good education. Um, and so I started looking and I uh, had talked to a few parents about Cranbrook and uh, we went, He went to Cranbrook when he was actually younger just to visit. And he enjoyed the environment when he was younger. Um, And when I say younger, I mean elementary school. Um, He spent a day there and then we followed up on it for high school. And he went and took a a visit and he decided he liked it. I thought it would give him some broad experience, um, which would hopefully benefit him for college. Um, and that's how he went there. I, I made a decision to put him there.
0: Okay, so like, did any other other schools, Country Day or Rokeby, did you ever consider those?
1: Uh, we considered Country Day for a hot brief minute, but um, Country Day wasn't the choice because I, I thought it was, a, first of all, an excellent school. Um, I think it was more a lot of the kids there love the sports and I didn't think he was um, (laughs) as much into the sports, Um, but he can answer that. We were looking just kind of more for a good feel and a good fit. And um, so you kind of have to go with what feels better as well. Um, Roper is an excellent school as well. Um, but I think Roper was more artistic and free-flowing. And I thought, whether I was right or wrong, and he could talk about that, he needed something a little more structured. Um, he wasn't as athletic, although he does do did do some um, athletic, um, some sports. So I had to kind of find some place that I felt fit a little bit better and I I chose Cranbrook because of that.
0: Um, I'm kind of laughing because of two reasons. Recently, I have a, a friend whose daughter who's actually going to first grade and going to Roper. She kind of expressed some of the artistic and, and free freedom that, um, that you expressed, and she had concerns about that. And then when you said country day and sports, I'm, I'm thinking back to when I coached debate and we would go to the debate tournaments at country day and you would see Chris Weber's jersey like in the hallway and the same baddie. And, and I think they have like three gyms or something. So it's just, I kind of got that just being there for debate. So it's very interesting that you know you brought both of those points up so nicholas what made you ultimately feel like cranbrook would be a a good fit for you and him when you got there did you have culture shock or anything
2: well um i remember when i was in seventh grade well, actually, I guess we would go back further, back to when I was in elementary school. I went to Cranbrook for, of course, to visit. I specifically remember it's called Brookside, which is the younger.
0: Yeah, that's Um you know, uh,
2: What is it? Middle Belt? It's uh, not sure.
0: <laughs> I, know, I want to say it's Middle Belt in maple maybe no it's like it's like, down. It's it's like, like a, a long pond like,
2: maybe. yeah brooks brookside is kind of adjacent to the rest yeah. of yeah. the community it's a it's an academic almost like a village mm-hmm. so of course you know i went there brookside for a day to visit and i remember having to take the tests it was like okay you're also like you know it's screening it was like ah, oh, is this kid gonna flourish here he's smart enough turned out i was um thank goodness and completed the tests years passed seventh grade you know i have a choice and the ultimatum you know uh okay nicholas do you want to go to cranbrook or do you want to continue going to the school where you're at the school where i was was fantastic i loved it um saint paul in oh, St. Paul? yeah, went to St. Paul and Gross Point. I love that school too. <laughs> Such a good place, good people. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you familiar with the school? If let me ask.
0: So, I'm, I was raised Catholic, kind of. So um, all of the little Catholic schools in the area and um, parochial school, tuition schools, um, I have an, an affinity for. Um, I. It's funny because I feel like my generation, a lot of us went to to parochial schools, went to Catholic schools, got great as ed- educations, and I, I kind of feel with the the admin of charters, they're not looked at as much as they used to be looked at in the black community, mm-hmm. which I don't know, it's it's disappointing because. I feel like, because I went to JSU for um, elementary and, and middle school, and I was just, it was funny because one of the people I graduated J JSU, we were talking the other day, she's a doctor now, mm-hmm. just about the level of success that a lot of the people that I went to school with, particularly elementary and middle school have now, mm-hmm. and how we have that thats foundation and how thankful we were mm-hmm. um, for that. So yeah, to hear you say, you know, from St. Paul to Cranbrook, I, I think that's a testimony mm-hmm. on just how well academics are, are, are pushed at that level in those schools and how they set you up for Later success in life. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And to add on, you, you went to Friends prior to St. Paul,
2: you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a community, you know? It's a community of care, um, friends, you know, it was majority people of color. And so that was important for me, being able to just be surrounded by people who looked like me. St. Paul, lesser so. But, you know, I still had, I was treated pretty much the same as everyone else in terms of, okay, you know, I was still different <laughs> and that's a beautiful thing, you know, and I St. Paul is the place where I think truly showed me that, okay, you know, uh, there are people specifically in the white community who do care, you know, about others <laughs> and basically, you know, making sure that you're comfortable and that your differences are, recognized but not seen as you know a problem which i would unfortunately eventually come to you know um, cranbrook was was interesting simply because i feel the education was amazing and it was a beautiful institution with amazing just arts education sports it was everything that you could really find but of course cranbrook in, in itself is a landmark you know it's a national landmark so you would have the literal you know the be educated about the history of the buildings themselves and i would be fascinated by that and just how beautiful of a campus it was um the sarin houses and the cranbrook house and the education was so rigorous um at times though or often I would feel very much isolated in my identity as an African American male cuz there just weren't really a lot of us and I did deal with discrimination at various points and you know I've been saying differences throughout this podcast but I would say like you know I'm just me I'm a human being you know with the identity as a black male you know Sure, that's different from the majority of these institutions, but it's not inherently different. And I was made to feel different um, by the different students. Um, however, you know, Cranbrook really taught me to find strength in my community. You know, I became the president of the African American Awareness Association at Cranbrook. That was cool.
0: Yeah, that sounds pretty.
2: Yeah, it was nice. It was kind of just like, oh, okay, how do we keep everybody sane? <laughs> um, it did cross country, which gave me a great community starting out. Um, all kinds of stuff. I was a peer-to-peer counselor, so helped other people in terms of mental wellness. And then, you know, the time for college applications came. And, oh, boy, you know, you had... So,
0: yeah. Why, Courtney, why not U of M? Why
2: not? Um... Oh, yeah. I didn't get into U of M. Um, so that didn't happen. <laughs> That's shocking. <laughs> very
1: shocking with a three point what? It was very high. I think like
2: three Cranbrook. point three point
1: eight or three something. point eight something um, leadership at Cranbrook. I was shocked he didn't get into U of M.
2: I mean, you know, it happens. Um,
0: yeah. But, I do, so my best friend um, growing up who has uh, since passed, um, I remember we were applying to college, 3.8, 31 on this ACT, didn't get into Duke or North Carolina. And I'm like, what do you mean you didn't get in?
2: Yeah, sometimes yeah. it just happens that way, you know, something that you have to tell yourself. And sorry to hear about your friend passing. Um now one thing that I guess you learn to tell yourself and that's the truth, is that it's oftentimes, you know, sometimes it is about you, but other times it's not. you know, like it could be just what they're looking for in a candidate. you know you might have all of the all of the different accolades. You know, I know some people who are valedictorians and didn't get into like you know state schools or places that are nearby. You know, all of them are wonderful institutions, but they're just not like looking for specifically you and that's okay. And so you know, I got into a couple of other places. Um, Wayne State. Um, let's see what else. Wayne Howard. State. Yeah, Howard, Of there course. Was... Amherst. Amherst. Um, Cornell. And so I thought for a second you, know, I was like, I want to go to Amherst so bad. So we traveled to Amherst. I got a free trip. Mom came with me, and it was beautiful. Um, it was, the mountains were, were glorious. It was. Yeah, I am going to say, it's in, yeah. it's in a beautiful area. Yeah, it was amazing. Amherst, Massachusetts, a city named after it. If your city's named after the institution, oh boy. So we were walking around, but then it was like, uh, it's too small. 2,000 people and the mountains were too mountainous. There just weren't enough people, you know? Yeah, I remember talking to you, Ma, and it was just like, hey, where's the uh, where's the the actual city? <laughs> <laughs> you know? They're like, you're in it. You're, you're <laughs> here. You're, you're here. And there's like a little town, but just not really much in terms of like, you know, the outside community and the interaction between that. It was just Amherst, Amherst, Amherst. Then I visited Cornell. I remember later that April. And And that was also mountainous. It's in Ithaca, New York, which is a very kind of rural, semi-rural location. but It was gorgeous. I mean, you had, of course, like the mountains and the vineyards and the architecture of Cornell, which is just amazing. Got all this stuff. I remember I went there on my own. Um, for this visit, I was staying with a student in human ecology, which I would eventually enter, um, the college of human ecology. And it was very interesting. Um, you just had all kinds of like people, it was 15,000. So every class was like a village in itself. I just graduated recently. And if you look at the photos, it's like an entire village of people in in one space. So, yeah, there's just all kinds of stuff in the mountains. You could see the lights of the different buildings and communities in the distance. And that really told me okay, I'm not going to be isolated here. And the Ithaca community did serve as my kind of place to go and learn. And it was kind of my emotional and at times spiritual foundation when Cornell itself just got to be a lot. But I, I loved Cornell. Um, that's why I chose it. It was just an interesting place, beautiful community. The air was fresh. Um, I'm a human development major. It's one of the leading human ecology and human development schools. You can just learn about what makes people happy. Um, this black community was very strong. Yeah, I'm gonna say I know
0: when I graduated, there were a people from Metro Detroit that went to Cornell. And they have... Nothing but amazing and great things to say. So, mom, he, baby comes home and says, I want to go to Cornell. Mm-hmm. Were you freaking out that he wanted to go to New York? Or, I know some, some parents have, oh, I want you close. And others are like, go spread your wings. And mm-hmm. others are like, well, you got to HBCU, so <laughs> go there. So, Mm-hmm. What was your thought process as as a parent?
1: I wanted him to go where he felt he should be, actually, um, because I, I really had um, prepared him for that, to be able to make his own decisions about where he wanted to co- go to college. And I wanted it to be his choice. Um, So I wasn't at all apprehensive when he came back and he said he wanted to go to Cornell. Um, I was happy and um, I supported it. Uh, We strongly looked at all the schools, like he said, and we uh, had also looked at Howard. Unfortunately, we didn't get much information back from Howard before, we didn't get any information back from Howard um, prior to him making the decision to go to Cornell, we were waiting on what is the financial package going to look like, other information. But yeah, we, right. we just knew he got accepted. <laughs> we didn't have any information prior to most schools needing to know whether he was going to accept or not. And so um, I even think in the end, we never got the financial package back from Howard. I think it was just
2: late. It was like late. It was, we got it. It was just
0: a lot okay. later. But, I don't remember you know, getting it. Yeah, Maybe I, he got it, it's, but. It's funny because I'm being a high school teacher, mentoring students through the whole college acceptance process. And I have some that have went to several HBCUs and done very well. And I have had horror stories where they're like, you know, I'm waiting to hear back from the financial aid office. And some, so I, it's unfortunate that things like that still happen today. Because I I remember my sister many years ago going to Clark Atlanta, and um, we we experienced you know some some of the same things. But she was determined. That was like her dream school, so she was determined <laughs> at all costs to to go there. Mm-hmm. So graduated. Back yep. back here in Metro Detroit. So what's what's next?
2: Well, um, right now, as my mom will tell you and my family, I am chilling. Um, just enjoying life for three months. And then I was recently selected to be a fellow for the Bill Emerson National Hunger Fellowship. Ooh. So yeah it's a program through the congressional hunger center i'll be working with non nonprofit in south dakota called feeding south dakota so i'll be going there helping out with um, their hunger policy and gathering the stories of community members there and assisting and then i will be in dc working with a government agency so looking forward to it
0: yeah so we'll have the because I'm very interested to hear about your experience in South Dakota. Um,
2: yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> me too. Yeah. yeah. So
0: it's funny because I have a old co-worker that's in North Dakota now, so mm-hmm. uh, he has some interesting stories. And then my wife has a friend, I would say, news anchor in Nebraska for a little bit, so that oh, wow. and she's back here now. So I've kind of just been. Picking her brain about her experience and then you'll be headed to D.C. Which is my, call it my second home, it's my favorite city other than Detroit. I'll yeah. actually be in D.C. in a couple of weeks. I was, I realized I've realized I've traveled to D.C. over 15 times now. Wow. So
2: <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, I love it. <laughs> um, My other best friend actually lives in D.C. So if you need restaurants or anything, or uh, while you're there, um, people to connect to, I definitely can give you some some people.
2: Yeah, totally. I I would appreciate that. All the people, the better. You know, um, we're pretty similar in terms of D.C. being a second home. I I love D.C. I remember I, I went there the previous summer for the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation since I was an intern for that program. That was beautiful. Um, city's amazing. Good people. A lot of black people. Um, mm-hmm. It's chocolate city. so.
0: Great places to eat. Yes. And they actually have like different restaurants that have like Detroit days and
2: Detroit themed um, hours. Yeah, that's kind of weird. <laughs> you know, it's like when... uh. You go someplace and it's like oh, it's Detroit themed. Like okay, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's my Tuesday.
0: Yeah, you know, a lot of people that I graduated with moved to the D M V area, so that yeah. was. Yeah. I was part of that that graduating class that was like oh we're moving from Michigan out of Detroit, so I actually lived in Baltimore for a little bit. Oh wow. Um, have nice. a great affinity for the the Baltimore area. Yeah. So, so mom, you've done your job. He's graduated.
1: Yeah, I'm still going. doing the job though. Yeah, <laughs> it lasts Go, for a while.
0: Going to <laughs> South Dakota. It's funny that you say that um, because I remember when George Floyd happened, mm-hmm. and I had just had my son recently. Um, and I remember I'm sitting at, sitting there on the couch watching all of the protests and everything going on with him. And I called my mom, and I go, "When do you stop worrying?" And she, there was a pause. She goes, "I still worry." She goes, "I worry about you every single day." Um, and she was like, "Your dad too." And it it was right. Couple days after me and my mom had that conversation, my dad was out running and they live in West Bloomfield and he runs and they've lived there almost 20 years now. He's out running, his usual morning routine and he gets stopped by the police while mm-hmm. he's running. And he's you know looking and thankfully he has on his Detroit Police Department hat and, You Know he goes, Well, why did you? They go, We had a report of suspicious activity in the area. He goes, I've been running the same route for 20 years now, like everybody should know me. So, um, Mm -hmm. I that definitely having that conversation with my mom uh, was pretty eye opening.
1: Yep, and it just does not stop. Um, I remember, Mm -hmm. um when I, he was born, um, you know, the the towers were falling in <laughs> New York, <laughs> you know, and, um, you know, it, it made me have some apprehension um, about, you know, you have a kid, you're responsible for this kid, you want to raise this kid, but you want them to be safe at all times. And, um, you know, um, that day in september it was what you were he was born in february so he was about six months old you know and um you don't stop worrying you raise a kid the best way that you can but then there are all these outside things that you can't control Mm -hmm. and um while that was you know terrorism then you have other things like racism and and you just You know, it's a lot out there that you can't control, but that's where we as parents, we do the best that we can, and we we give them all the tools to try to be successful um, in their lives. And then we hopefully teach them so that they could teach their kids, you know, and do the best that they can for their kids. But you never stop worrying. And to this day, um, I still feel some apprehension, you know. (laughs) It's a different kind of apprehension every day. Yeah, I but was, it's some type of apprehension.
0: Yeah. yeah, I didn't. I didn't fully understand. No, my son is well; he'll be three in what about twenty five more days. So, wow. Um, yes, I'm like he's in the oh he's cute face. and I'm like as he gets older, mm-hmm. and he's going to be taller. I already know that, and. So I'm like, I'm already worrying and it's, it's, it's funny because my friend was talking about me because I'm like, I'm already looking at preschools and middle schools and high schools for, and he's like, do realize least only two, I'm like, but it'll happen before I know it, so.
1: Yeah, it happens really fast, really fast. And the best thing we can do is giving them give them what we can, while we can. And uh, one of my goals was to make sure that he had um, a stellar education. I went to CAS, by the way, and I loved what Cass. I'm you're, at 87. You're
0: a, <laughs> you were a, a CAS second to none?
1: Uh, that's right. <laughs> yep, I loved yep. CAS. Um, but just because I meant I, I loved CAS and it was good for me didn't mean it was going to be good for him so many years later. Yeah. So you have to look at what's good for your kid. And, and how they're developing. And so I had, we made a different choice. And I say we, it wasn't just me, I did. Nicholas was involved in the decision-making as far as his schooling and where he went and only only schools he wasn't really involved in decision-making was friends, um, but it was a fantastic choice. Yep and and St. Paul he visited but he also liked it so he was involved in that decision but um I after nodded, that I nodded my
2: head yeah
1: yeah so yeah. He, he was pretty he was involved in the decision making but you kind of have to you have to pick the schools that are best for them you know it's almost like the school picks
0: them yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, my sister's a, a CAF Tech grad and she was actually one of the reasons why I refused to go to <laughs> uh, So I, I, I personally didn't want to be Shantae's little brother because I went through that elementary, middle school. I was like, uh, yeah, I'll pass. <laughs> so, but it's funny because every, I always mess with her about CAFs and the sec- second to none. And,
1: that's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, CAS is something else. It's a great community. And uh, you find CAS people any, everywhere. Yeah. I mean, there's a community everywhere. And, there's
2: a uh, community at Cornell. That's true. Mm-hmm.
1: Cornell Cornell's community is everywhere too. So,
2: Well, I mean, the CAS community at Cornell.
1: Oh, CAS, okay. Yeah,
2: we have two, from what I was aware, we had two CAS students, like okay. the newest years. So you guys are everywhere.
1: We are. So, and it's always, you know, I'm not gonna say that every single body got along with everybody, but it's a family relationship. You know, anytime you find somebody that went to CAS, it's not, it's generally nothing but love,
0: yeah. So mom, you're an attorney. I am. So t- talk a little bit about what you do your practice because it's all types of attorney, but I know you have an affinity for um, black businesses. So I do,
1: I do. So I'm an attorney. I've been an attorney for about 28 years and I've done a number of different things. So I have a broad background. I'm pretty steep into employment law I love employment law um, and employment basically is uh, everything dealing with employment of employing an individual but um, I do a lot of uh, litigation as well employment litigation discrimination um, litigation is my background but Um, Another thing that I do is is supporting um, businesses uh, with contracts, all the things to prevent litigation. I I don't love litigation, let me say that. I like uh, preventing litigation, and that means risk management. And that means helping businesses set up so that you avoid pitfalls. Um, So one of my affinities is trying to help um, Metro Detroit businesses um, Establish themselves and in, in a uh, in a way that is foundationally strong um, from the setup all the way through. Um, have proper contracts in place, of course, formation, um, corporate bylaws, uh, and then help with the decision making as you move forward. Um, And also helping businesses set up so that you can receive financing because a lot of businesses aren't structured where you can actually receive appropriate financing. So helping along with that process as well. But um, that's what I intend to do is to continue to help uh, Metro Detroit businesses um, become successful.
0: So, and I know we talked about you t- doing a a legal podcast. So, I'm um, looking forward to that because um, just starting this and t- having to talk to different attorneys and having to sit down with attorneys and go through contracts and uh, contractor bids and things in their contracts and. Ooh, some of those contracts can be hundreds and hundreds of pages long. It seems like um, I, I think it's something that it's much needed, and also I know we talked about um, doing some type of legal workshop for for business owners, um, which I'm very excited about because I think I told you I sat down uh, with a local wardrobe. She's a stylist, but she has a wardrobe closet, which I think is only two in Metro Detroit. And she was talking about the need for an attorney and what she didn't know at the time and what she now, now knows. So um, I'm I'm just excited um, to, to have both of you guys. I'm really excited about this whole South Dakota experience. It's, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I am excited about it too. So it's an experience for him, and it's a it's an experience for me as a mom too. Because I'm, you know, South Dakota wasn't uh, one of the first places that you think of, you know, when you your your kid is about to go and start his life. Um, but I think it's an experience for him, and um, he is going to do well at it. Uh, I think it's for his career. It's gonna be a good choice, um, so I'm excited about it.
0: And then South Dakota to D.C., so.
1: Yep, South Dakota to D.C., so it's only si- it's six months in South Dakota, then six months in D.C., and then yeah. uh, wherever he wants to go from there.
2: It's gonna be quite the journey. Um, I mostly chose to do the program because I knew it would expose me to new places do new things um, it's one thing that I feel is important as part of my personal education is just seeing as much of the world as possible and becoming adaptable so I like that yeah. phrase, personal education
0: mm-hmm.
2: never never stop learning
0: so that's nope. right so I got, hope you enjoy this We'll have to have them both back on especially after nicholas has been in south dakota a to see how things are are going um, i think it would be interesting to kind of do a podcast blog with you about your um, experience as a recent grad
2: yeah i think that would be cool um honestly i love storytelling so i'd love to make it happen yeah, so, um, so
0: we have tons of things for you guys to look forward to. Um, me and Nikki will hopefully be able to sit down at some point this week and hash out what the uh, legal workshop will look like and uh, look forward to her podcast coming soon.
1: I look forward to it. And and by the way, the name of my law practice is Law Office of Nikki Wright, PLC.
0: Yeah, so you... If you're a business owner listening to this or you've got some legal questions um, you know how to find her and then we'll catch y'all on the b side peace